My wife warned me. She said, you always cry at this church. (laughs) You're very emotional. It's true. I'm a spitter, so I don't really need water to talk. (laughs) But it comes out my eyes, too. So that's good. Glad to be here. This church has always been an influential part of our life and still is. Just a hint, when next year comes around, if you don't use your vacation days, you might think about taking a Thursday, Friday for intimacy with God. Not many churches will have a Bible conference because Americans don't go because we can listen to so many things, but there's something about being in a place where the word is spoken and where ministry is done that you can't get online. Christianity is still done in person. You can get some stuff, but there's a reason why we have a local church. Uh, One of the reasons why you need to go to church and not go with your TV is it's very difficult for you to show who you really are with your TV set. You might sit in your underwear, but... Your TV set doesn't interact with you. It doesn't talk back to you. Your TV set doesn't correct you. When you get around people, you will be annoyed. Isn't that terrible? You know, some people say, you know, the world would be great if there weren't for people. God and I are doing just fine. It's the people that are a problem. There is a secondary piece of information with that. Other people are thinking the same thing about you. (laughs) Did you hear that? You are probably causing people some problems. And you need to own some of that stuff. But before we go there, that's the warm-up to my message. Things are good at Two Rivers. We're in a big season. But it's no different than here. I was here a month ago. I listened to Tom preach. Uh... Last weekend in May, what I heard was at the end of the message when he was giving the altar call, does, does anybody here want to receive the Lord? And this is what I heard. I see that hand. 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 I see you in the balcony. I see you in the balcony. You guys experience this too much. You need to be told something. It's not happening at every church. It's not happening at many churches. You are in the midst of a revival. Something's happening here that's not happening everywhere. You are privileged, and you may not even know it. Because what the devil's tactic is, can you poke some holes at what's going on here? Yes. And are there some annoying people that go to this church? Yes. One of them might be you. It's like, (laughs) you never know. I came out of a very negative family environment, and just maleness in itself, when it's not saved, it's very competitive and it's very sarcastic. It's very unhelpful and very unhealthy. And then when you come to Christ, you've got to take those edges off because some of that learned behavior is absolutely dangerous to your marriage, to your family. I got a chance to do that right here, so I'm glad. Just a, just a few things. Uh, I, could, I could say many things. We're, 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 we produce a book. We did one seven years ago, Seven Testimonies of Transformation of People in Our Congregation. And we hadn't written one for a while. We've had a lot of good things happen, so we decided to do a second one. And... We included stories, uh, the cover says rewritten, and then it says change the story, and then it's X'd out with red like a teacher's pen, change your story. Christianity, part of it is about changing your story. When you get born again, you're rewriting your past. And then you get to write a new one. And then as you come out of different addictions and problems, you're re 
writing your story. And in the book, we tried to put representative stuff in there that, that we think are, are important words for people to hear. And uh, one is uh, an extremely wealthy man, very, very, very successful with a very, very bad wife. And she takes him for a ride. She spends about $5,000 a month. She's completely uncontrolled. He doesn't know what to do except try to make more money. The pressure's on him. And then she has an affair with one of the people that he hires for his business. He's broken. He's broke. He doesn't think he's got anything left. But he has a partner in his business that goes to our church. One of the most godly men I have ever met. And in his darkness, he went to him and he got saved. Then his entire life has been rewritten. Married a gal from the church who had four kids. He got himself an instant family. And God has changed him so much. Now that woman came out of a broken family. When the oldest daughter had a a wedding, she wanted to dance with her stepdad. He was, he'd become such a godly man. And her real father's actually demon-possessed. I mean, and I mean it. I know so. Very violent man. Very angry man. There's a, there's a story about a single mother. She started coming to church. Just looking at her, you knew her life was completely stirred up. Two little demons for kids. The cutest little demons you have ever seen. <laughs> But we were going in the parking lot, and these little girls are on my car. They're on it. They're on top of my car, scratching it. That will make me angry. On top of everybody else's car, running around like they're demon-possessed. And I'm like, what is wrong with this woman? Well, then she gets saved. Then the women of the church start working with her. There was no area of her life that she did well, except this. She learned. She's a single mom. She doesn't make much money. Today, her kids walk on the sidewalk. (laughs) Helpful. With what little she makes... She's got it all Financial Peace University ordered so that out of her small paycheck, she gives money to other single mothers who don't have enough money to make it to the end of the month. Coming out of a terrible background. This is so awesome. So we got these seven stories. It's pretty good. But lately, such a spirit of revival has come on that we've had seven conversions in the last three or four weeks and they all could be part of a book. It's just so amazing to live. Now, here's some of the things. Tommy loves revival. I love revival. I actually changed my wording. Revival has to do with, I think, us, church, getting our act together. We're going to talk about that today. And awakening is when it gets out into the neighborhood. In order to get the awakening, the church has got to be revived and look like Jesus. And it's not happening. You, you, can, you can spit and shout and do a whole bunch of stuff. It's not happening until we change. But um, we hired a new receptionist. and She's a young gal, and every now and then at church, this other girl, this blonde girl would show up, and she'd be there a little bit at, when she was off her shift, and... 
all of a sudden on my calendar, this is shifting from being a little church to a big church. I don't always do my own appointments anymore. And this girl's name appeared, Rosalind, Armenian last name. If it's I-A-N, they're Armenian, Serjanian, right? Serjanian, Armenian. And uh, so I'm looking, ah, oh, Rosalind, Armenian girl's coming in. Okay. So she comes in, she sits down, and I'm, I'm like curious. So 18 years old. Why are you here? She goes, I don't know. I have to be here. I'm like, whoa. She goes, I'm, I'm compelled. There's a force compelling me to talk to you, and I'm scared of you. <laughs> I've heard that before. My face is offensive to many people. Letter to the Lord. I just heard the other day, Leslie was telling me, she's driving down the highway in Phoenix, and she gets sovereignly baptized in the Holy Spirit by herself. Never heard of it. Only heard some people speak in tongues and had to pull over to get the full glory. And then she had to sit there for a while because she was so overwhelmed by the presence of God, she couldn't continue to drive. I like that. That's a good story for me. We've led two Native Americans to the Lord. We have a lot of reservations in Arizona. If you look at our map, we're we're resed up. We got them. People who don't know anything will say that what they believe helps them. Their religion. It doesn't add up at the hospital where my wife works where she sees a continual parade of morbid obesity, alcoholism, incest, all kinds of stuff. They're tough, though. And there's something working to keep them from victory. Two, full blood. Deeply steeped. The last one had never touched a Bible, had never heard anything other than Jesus' name used in cursing. Comes to the Lord. Gets delivered from a demon. It's pretty good stuff. Kind of like it. Had another story that I think that has to do with revival. We had a girl get confused about her gender. It's happening all over the place. 16 years old, she moved out of her family's house. I was part of the problem. She was in church Saturday night. She wanted affirmation on what she's doing. I really can't give it to her, but I'm a nice guy. I said, look, don't look to the people around you. Don't ask them what to do. You know, actually, it's written right in here. Your answer to your question about you is right here. God already wrote it. And she began to cry, and I thought, man, there's conviction of the Holy Spirit. I found out later it wasn't. I helped so much that she got in the car, fought with her parents, and moved out for two years. Two months ago, she was in her bed, in her house, with her fiancé, whose name isn't Bob. I think it is Tracy. And she woke up sovereignly. And she said, "I, I am going to marry a man, not a woman. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know why I'm here. She came back to Jesus so powerfully. She lived in a house with three other confused people. One's her fiance, two others. They started coming to church. That song, He's a Good, Good Father. Behind this girl is a dad who's a loving dad. He loved his daughter in her problems unconditionally. He loved her daughter's fiance unconditionally, absolutely unconditionally. And 
Now this change is taking place in his daughter, but he didn't give up on anybody. And one day he took her hand. This is two weeks ago. And it was a good, good father. He raised her hand up. They were in their living room and squeezed it. And she had an encounter with the Holy Spirit that was so powerful, it washed from the top of her head to her feet. And the next day she texted this man's daughter, who used to be her girlfriend, I am ready to be a sold-out radical Jesus freak. <laughs> I'm looking at the text, goes, hmm, that works for me. So we had a baptism, and they saw this, says, can we get baptized? The whole house gets saved. So the three of them are back. The daughter is on the front row witnessing it. I'm back there, and this guy says, the father of the girl says, can I baptize these three ladies? No problem. Go ahead. Before the baptism, while we were waiting for the last song, they were hugging him and crying. And even though they all have a natural father, there were problems there. That's why they were the way they were. They were, they were weeping over him. And they said, you are my father. You are my father. And you love me. No matter what I do, how I am, and I'm being baptized today by you. They wanted him to baptize them. And we want to stand up and say, we have a father. This is a great time. We brought the house down, I'm telling you. It, uh, it's kind of exciting to be part of all this. And I could continue on. It's, it's good stuff. It is not a chore to be a Christian in an evil world. Even though the world gets darker, we get brighter. And don't, don't, don't take the world's excess into sin as a reason to go to. Take it as a reason to stand up and receive more of God. Okay? So, let's talk about the message. Let's go there. Um, I had a life-changing moment. I was a junior in college here at the University of Wisconsin. I came to a meeting on prayer at what was Buckeye Evangelical Free Church at that time. It's now Madison Pentecostal Assembly, right here in the corner of, isn't it, Flam and Buckeye? Just down the street, which would be down there. Vondren. It's Vondren and Buckeye. And there was a navigator there, a missionary to India. His name was Warren Myers. And he was teaching on prayer. I went there to hear about prayer, but I heard a secret to being the man that I wanted to be. See, part of my testimony is I already knew by 18 I didn't like myself. In a sense, I, I've never had a low self-esteem. Like, I don't love Tom. I love Tom. I don't like what he does, though. I don't like how he acts sometimes. And, and I would do all these resolutions like, I'm going to change, and then I never would. And By 18, I'm already sensitive to realize I'm probably going to end up being an alcoholic, drunk, addicted to something else, too. i got to change me. And I, I didn't know how. When they came and told me, therefore, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creature, I'm like, man, I've looked everywhere else. I'll try this. And it worked. But it still needed to work more. It's called sanctification, right? So here's what this missionary says. Passing thought. I pray every day that someone rebukes me. I went, oh, you are insane. What kind of a crazed individual would say something like that? You want someone to rebuke you every day? Nuts! But this guy gave off something that not every Christian does. It's called the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. It's like coming out of his pores. It's like I want to be like this guy. Uh-oh. I might have to pray to get rebuked every day. <laughs> I'm thinking with my luck, 
and with who I am, if I pray that, I'll get it three times a day. This will be painful. But I began to realize this, this, this is part of becoming a man or woman of God. And as I've grown up, I've met different individuals who have different flaws in their life. The people that love them, warn them, and instead of embracing it, they get angry. They get defensive. They try to pretend like the emperor with no clothes that it's not really true. And the problem is some of those people you bury. And when they throw the clods on the calf, you know, in the coffin, the family went from crying to rejoicing. It's kind of like the wicked witch is dead. Every, you, know, you know you probably weren't a very sanctified Christian when everybody starts singing that song. You know, you, you, you know this is, the witch is dead. The witch is dead. Well, my old man's dead. I was having a Bible study with a, with a Mesa policeman. He's really, really a cool individual. But he said, the best thing my dad ever did in his life. I'm thinking, boy, what is this? The best thing my dad ever did in his life was commit suicide. I didn't have to see him beat my mother or my brother or me anymore. Do you want that to be something people say about you? I'm so glad she's dead. Here's another happy thought. Whatever you are now, when you get to be older, you will just be more of that. So if you're a little cranky right now, (laughs) this is not looking good for your family. Because when they have to change your diaper, you're probably going to be ornery. (laughs) It's one thing for you got a baby you're doing that to, but an ornery grandma? On the other hand, people that are sweet now, they just get sweeter. They just get sweeter. And you know whose hand that choice is, it's yours. You determine what you will be like in the future with the help of God. So if you want a life-changing moment, you can have one. The goal of Christianity is not to make you comfortable or successful. Most of those TV preachers are wrong. They will be held accountable. Here's what James says. Let not many be teachers, because they will be held in stricter judgment. There are different goals of Christianity, but these two, unless you define successful as success in what God's called me to do, the definition a lot of times, that's my definition of prosperity, success in what God's called me to do. Jesus was called to die on a cross. How successful was he? Perfectly. That's why we're here. You know, Reverend Sun Yun Moon, who founded the Moonies and that whole thing, his theology is that Jesus failed because he got killed. He should have gotten married and having perfect kids like him. No, no, Jesus was completely successful in his mission. One major goal in the Christian life is to be transformed. Transformed from where you are to the image of Jesus. And since it's kind of a journey, it's probably your whole life. Some people might get there beforehand, but most of us are keeping on. Right? I have two sanctifying forces in my life, the Holy Spirit and my wife's elbow. (laughs) They are both still in operation at this moment. I'm leaving where we're staying for vacation, and I got two or three suggestions. She wants me to be successful. Transformation, when you are transferred from who you are into all you can be in Christ, it brings its own measure of success. And sometimes it's a deeper, more powerful success than you can understand. If a father enters the house with three little toddlers and they run for the bedroom and slide under the bed, what do you know about that man? 
He's an angry, bad dad. My kids hiding from me when I come home is not a measure of success. I've talked to more than some Christian girl who was a Christian girl and she got an abortion. And you say, honey, why did you know this? We have things for you. And the answer is, I could not face the wrath of my mother and father. I could not face the wrath of my mother and father. I don't know about you, but when my kid screws up, I don't want him running away. I want him running to me. But you have to live a different way in order for that to happen. When people come to you with problems, it actually says you are successful. Different kind of success maybe than the world, but they trust you. So here's the title. I only gave half of it because I wanted you to come. (laughs) So Sir Carla said, what's the title? I said, well, let's go with wisdom is openness. So we put the other part. They might not even pay attention. They might be filing out even now. Wisdom is openness to rebuke and reproof. There's more about this in the Bible than meets the eye. Way more in the Bible than baptism. Way more verses in the Bible than baptism of the Holy Spirit. There are a number, I mean like a serious quantity of verses in the Bible on giving and receiving rebuke, giving and receiving reproof, because God loves us. It's not that he hates us. Now, women in marriage correct their husbands nine times more than husbands correct their wives, and I can tell you why that is, but I won't. (laughs) But they, they have this incredible comfortableness with correcting their husbands, And it can get irritating. It irritated me for a while. But then you got to get to get... There isn't anybody that loves me more than Teresa. There isn't anybody that cares about my success than my wife. Why would I get angry? See, that's the devil's tactic. Why would I be upset with the one person who really cares about me. Now I have more than two sanctifying influences. I also have my four children who have a great deal of liberty in my life. They'll even correct me on a Sunday morning. Just right from the pew. Wrong. (laughs) Are you looking for revival? Pastor Tom quoted this verse, Proverbs 123, you can't deny it. Turn to my reproof. Turn to my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit. Turn. Turn to what? Reproof. Then there's an equal, you know, kind of like an arrow. This is going to be cause and effect. Behold, I will pour out my spirit. He doesn't say, I might. He says, I will. But what do I got to do to get the I will pour out? Turn to my reproof. Here's the thing about people who are humble and willing to listen. Check this out in your own growing up or your own family, but the kid who was humble and willing to listen to the parents, I guarantee you the parents gave that kid more. And the ungrateful kid who wouldn't listen, after a while the parents are like, okay, Johnny, do your thing, but I'm not helping. Or am I wrong? You don't don't think God does that a little bit too? Okay. You won't listen to me. Have at it, Junior. We'll see how that goes. When you hit the wall and it hurts, look me up. But that's not a very smart way to live. 
The smarter way to live is say, you know what, I'm going to embrace this. I'm going to embrace the fact that maybe I need to be rebuked. Maybe a lot more than I think. Here's the Bible verses. Do not reprove, do not reprove a scoffer. Do not. Some of us have some very disagreeable experiences with this whole thing of giving and receiving reproof because you chose the wrong person to help. They're not interested. You reprove a scoffer, he will hate you. Let's think about this. <laughs> it's, it's simple, simple math. People try to correct me, and I don't like them. Uh-oh, where are you in this verse? Do you see yourself? Uh-oh, I'm in green. Well, let's just try to be blue about this. Rebuke a wise man, he'll be wiser still. See, he was wise because he was willing to listen. After you talk to him, he's going to be wiser still because he, his position of his heart predisposed him to give more. And you know, when you read some of this, these verses in the New Testament, to he who has, more will be given. Oh, more. He's going to get more anointing. He's going to get more money. Why don't we reply? Here's the principle right here. To he who holds the wisdom to be humble enough to listen to others, he will be given more. It's a kingdom principle, friends. It's a kingdom principle. So, you know, I find out you, you start letting this Bible work on you, it's going to be helpful. Give instruction, not curses, to a wise man. He'll be still wiser. If you teach a righteous man, he will increase his learning. Have you increased your learning lately? Here's one person you cannot teach, the person who knows it all. Can't teach that dude at all. Here's a theological problem. In the Christian life, you should not know it all because God is infinite. It means that you do not arrive at the end of who he is. So even when you get this down, he's still got more. That should predispose us to be um, humble. Interesting. We have a little... There it is. Good. So, Proverbs 27, 5 and 6. Better is open rebuke than love that is concealed. Do you believe the Bible? Most of us are going, that's not true. I hope that's not true. Well, it's in the Bible. It's probably true. Have you got there in your Christian life yet? A lot of times you look at the Bible and go, I don't think that's right. We'll just live a little longer. Oh, yeah, it was. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was. Oh, yes, it was. I wish I would have listened back then. Better is open rebuke than a love that is concealed. You know what? Leslie mentioned this in their message. My daughter is a powerhouse. I could talk a great deal about what an amazing person she is. Her strength can be her greatest weakness. She has such a strong self-image. She is about 98.9% right all the time. She's way smarter than I am. There's a lot of stuff about her. But here's the problem. When she's wrong... The only one that can stop her is me. And a couple of times we've had this thing where she's in my office and I'm like, look, you keep drilling that hole, you're in trouble, I'm in trouble. You can't do this. And she'll be crying away. She won't take out two of these. There will be a box. And then she'll do this. And she'll stand up. Okay. I receive that. 
And one of the last times I talked to her, I said, you got to humble yourself a little more. You, it just can't be me. You're going to be married. Your husband's going to have to be able to do this. Other people in the ministry are going to have to be able to do this. You're not always right. She gave me her word. And she has kept it. Being sensitive in these last two years to any little suggestion that maybe she could do something better. You know what? Love that's concealed isn't love. Love that's concealed is cowardice. Just a minute. However, ask yourself this question. Why is love sometimes concealed? It's because the recipient's response is so ungodly, so violent, so negative, so punishing, that even the people that love them cannot tell them anything because they know that talking to them is worse than them continuing to be stupid. Are you with me? You know I'm right. So if you want to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, here it is. When people talk to you, control your anger. Control your response. Do not defend yourself. When you try to defend yourself, you're, truing, you're working too hard on your defense and you can't hear what they're saying. And here's another thing. Even when they're wrong, they have something to teach you. I've been reproved a lot of times and the people that did it, did it wrong and weren't right. But it still caused me to reach to Jesus and say, what about this is true? And I think that's a key to success. It's a key to revival. Revival happens in a church where the people, by and large, are willing to listen to the Holy Spirit. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Look at this. You like to be kissed? Not by that guy. As a pastor... You learn a lot of times that new people with profuse praise are often sent by the other side. You need to learn who it is that when they give you a word of praise, it's right. This one veterinarian that led his partner to the Lord, his wife has about 40,000 words a day. Her name is Carla. She's a beautiful woman. He has about 500. <laughs> so that's a little bit of a mismatch there. And she learned she's got to have girlfriends to talk to because that guy doesn't. But here's the, here's the thing about him. When he opens his mouth, you can take it to the bank. You can take it to the bank. He's a man of sterling character and extremely godly. Now, if he tells me, Tom, good word, I'm putting that somewhere. I'm putting that somewhere. He's on our board. If he says, I think this church is going in the right direction, I take that somewhere. Now, there's some people that come around kissing, but they're, they're, they got a knife right here. Come here, Tommy, let me give you a little kiss. I'm going to stick this sucker in your kidney in a minute, but... (laughs) Figure that one out. You're wonderful, you're wonderful, you're wonderful. My dog doesn't even think I'm wonderful. Good grave. And it's a golden retriever. I should have that figured out. Somebody's lying here. 
deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. And it's like, you know what, Lord? Send it to me how I need to hear it. And I've got people that I go to and I go, tell me what I did. And they're like, too harsh. Tell me what I did. Too unclear. Tell me what I did. Oh, I think you're screwing up. And I trust those people so much, I'm listening to what they have to say. One of them's right there. I can call Tommy up and go, he's really good at this too. Hey, what do you think? Stupid. (laughs) Well, at least that's clear. (laughs) So let's talk about some benefits. My son, do not reject the discipline of the Lord or loathe his reproof. Here's how you know you're in sin. You don't want to pray and you don't want to look at your Bible. You are actually unconsciously loathing the reproof of the Lord. When you don't want to go to church, it's probably not your church's fault. It's probably you. Here's the Bible verse on it. Do not reject the discipline of the Lord or loathe his reproof. For whom he loves, he reproves. Now, you got to get that down. When God loves somebody, he's reproving them. And since you're not Jesus, you're probably not perfect. And if you're not perfect, then you're probably going to get corrected. So get over it. I've got over it. They'll probably be correcting me when they're dropping me down in the hall. It's like, man, guys, hopefully the, guy, the guy's about 80, but you know what? He can still learn a few things on the way down. <laughs> You've got to believe this one. Orphans do not get corrected. Think about Oliver Twist. That You know, that, all those street people are out there and they're all robbing with that one guy. He never corrects them. He actually leads them into deeper sin and debauchery. You know when people really love you, when they're, will, they're willing to take you head on and say, look, I'm going to stop this train. If nobody else in the world loves you, I love you, and this cannot continue. That's love. See, we think it's praises. Not all the time. I know we need affirmation. I know we need encouragement. But when you need to be reproved, encouragement and praises don't often do it. Now, there is an encouraging thing about holding the bar up. And you do that. Sometimes you reprove kids by praising them. You know, like the kid says, I'm so stupid. I'm so dumb. I can't do it. You say, no, 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 you are intelligent, and you're actually correcting a wrong thought in their mind. It's still reproof and correction. It's just done wisely. Stacy was playing in worship and, uh, yesterday morning, and she had a problem. She, she's so tender. I mean, Stacy will cry at a moment's notice. And, and she's crying one day as a little kid, and she goes, I'm so stupid. Dad, I'm just so stupid. I'm like, why are you stupid? Well, I can't do the math that Preston and Leslie do. I'm like, honey, you are four years old. (laughs) Your brother's starting high school. You're not supposed to be able to do his math. What? No, no, you're not supposed to be able to do what he does. And your sister's three years older than you. You can't do what she can do. Really? And she was so relieved. She's like, wow. I don't have to do what they do? No. Do you know how to do what you do when they teach you at school? Yeah, I know how to do that. Well, that means you're okay. Oh. She is silently, I got a kid that went to Yale, but she might silently be the smartest one of all of them. Working on a second master's degree while she's married, working in the church and working full time. Revelation 3.19, those whom I love, I reprove. Did you get that down? You need to memorize this maybe. Those whom I love, I... I reprove. Those whom I love, I reprove. I mean, if it's not happening, you're not close enough to daddy because he will do this. You know what? There's nothing quite as freeing as saying these kind of words. I'm sorry I was wrong. It's, it, why do you not like to do this so much? I've learned to love it. I really have. I'm sorry. Now, my wife is really smart. Sometimes it comes with, okay, there's the words. Now the action. (laughs) I'm sorry. I didn't mean it. Why do we struggle so much with, I I was wrong? Here's the thing. When you're wrong, everybody knows it except you. 
It's written. When I figured that out, I thought, you know what? I'm just going to get wrong quicker. Because everybody else already knows. I'm not fooling anybody. I love this one. Ecclesiastes 7.5. It is better to listen to the rebuke of a wise man than for one to listen to the song of fools. Now, if you want to be corrected and rebuked, you've got to look at the word of truth, the word of God. Some of our, our input is secular TV, secular music, you know, people around us. Like, this often happens. You know, a woman's going through a rocky time in her marriage, and she gets together with three women who've all had a divorce, and all like, just divorce them. It's called the Song of Fools. Take the easy way out. We've seen so many marriages come back together when I thought they were going to kill each other when they came in the very first time. Two Rivers is a hospital. We heal people, but you're going to get it straight from me. I remember telling this one, this one Korean lady, there's a problem in this marriage, sweetheart, and it's you. <laughs> Hear that little... <laughs> That's what you've been doing to him for. Stop it. She got up. She came back the next week and goes, you were right. <laughs> Not every secular song is wrong, but lots of them are. I listen to songs that are secular. I check their content with the Bible. I learned this a long time ago. If you listen to stupid, you will become stupid. Don't listen to the song of fools because they will correct you, but wrongly. They will affirm what probably shouldn't be affirmed. So some stages of reproof. This is, this is key here. The truth of the matter is, if you listen you probably get reproved every day by God. The Holy Spirit, and through the word of God, he's reproving you. It's the still small voice, your conscience, not right. God's voice, you are not right. And sometimes, you know, it's the word of God. You're just reading a Bible verse. You know, I read Proverbs, a chapter every day. When you read Proverbs, it's continually rebuking you. If you're listening, if you know how to read right, it's like... He who goes to the house of an adulteress is walking to the pit. How do you get rebuked from that? You have to stop and say, am I letting something charm me? Am I clicking? Am I listening? Am I fantasizing? Am I allowing a work relationship to be too close? See, if any of those things were happening when you read that, that word should have, whoom, right there. Should have, oh, oh, oh. Got to make a little correction. Here's the thing. When you're off a degree, in the first distance, it's not that much. It's also not that hard to come back. I didn't want to, people, let's see if I can take my ship to the rocks. <clears throat> Jesus, will you fix this? He's like, yeah, we're going to have to take it to the dry dock and take it all apart. Why didn't you turn early? See, if you're listening to this still small voice, you never get in a whole lot of trouble because you're already making the one-degree course corrections. Why do you read the Bible? I need to. I must read it for my own good. And here's the thing about my own good. It's for about 500 other people's own good because I'm a pastor. And it's for the own, own good of my wife. It's for the own good of my children that I correct my course. And I've screwed up, folks. I've done stuff I shouldn't have done. Not super horrible, but I've had to be corrected. And some of those steps into the ditch, it was like I had to get a slap across the face to get it back. It was far more brutal, because I'll tell you what. Is it okay to be honest? I got the one-degree course correction, and I didn't listen. Anybody listening today? Those who love you, 
family, close friends, church leaders, they're going to start saying something to you, but it's a little bit more embarrassing because you realize somebody knows about your sin besides God. For some reason, it's really comforting when only you and God know. But then if you keep going, all of a sudden, other people know. Well, if you keep going, now some other people, those in authority, your bosses and leaders, they'll reprove you. But if you're goofing off to the point where bosses got to reprove you, it's a problem. I mean, right here in this church, there was, I was in an office, and I was with a wife. She wanted to divorce her husband, and he's a jerk. He won't work. And so I brought him in, and he'd had like 11 jobs in a year. That should tell you something. And he just got fired. And I said, why did you get fired? He said, I got fired because I'm a Christian. So I called up the boss, and I said, did you fire this guy because he's a Christian? He says, no, I fired him because he's stupid. <laughs> so I told him, work here starts at 8 o'clock. And three out of five days in his first week, he was late for work. I fire people like that. I looked at him. Mm. Now I'm looking at him like his wife looks at him. Mm. Eh? It's painful for this one. Life. If you violate the word of God, there will be negative things happening. It's not the judgment of God. It's the sowing and reaping of what you did. If you slide into prescription painkillers, that's one of the big things people are doing today. I had a cop at my church. I was looking at him. Retired cop, his body's hurting. He came to Bible study, he didn't look good. What's going on? He says, man, I'm trying to, I'm trying to take myself off oxycodone. He said, I, I'm up to 10 pills a day. He said, I'm in bad shape. I got problems with my organs. And we walked him through every day, every week. He was cutting down the doses. Sometimes he'd come into Bible study and say... I hurt everywhere. I hurt everywhere. When is this going to stop? Well, she'd have never started. He really is getting rebuked by life because he actually didn't get there for physical pain. He got there for emotional pain. Can't do it, friends. Now, I got to say this. When you're rebuked, they're going to talk to you about something like anger. You need to stop being anger. angry. That's the symptom. So you don't try to stop being angry. When you're reproved for anger, you've got to find out why you're angry. Because until you get to the root, you won't be able to stop being angry. Because it's kind of like... As soon as someone presses that button, that's the place. Anger's a symptom, find the cause. Pride, you are so arrogant. All right. A lot of anger is protection. So you have to find out why you're over-projecting. Why are you trying to protect yourself? You've got to get that healed. And when you do, it's easy to be humble. It's just so easy, it doesn't bother you. I had a pastor go to a dream center in California, and he he went kind of unannounced, and he wasn't dressed pastorally, and he got treated a certain way. And then they found out he was a pastor, and they're like, oh, no, 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 you come here, you eat in this room, you get this different food and this kind of thing. And my friend was a little hacked off. And he goes, man, I realized my pride was just raging inside of me. I had to go get fixed. What was causing me to think that I needed to be treated better than other people. See the wisdom in that? You know, if you say hard things to somebody, those venomous words, you got to find out what the hurt is behind the word. I got to start talking better. Hmm. That's the symptom. So when you get rebuked, it will be for the symptom, but you've got to go to the root. So Psalm 119.18, open my eyes and see wonderful truth in your instructions. This is where you get your course corrected. Correct your course every day. Life's pretty sweet. I have to have my devotions. No, I need them. I don't have to have them. I need them. 
All scripture is inspired by God, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, adequate for every good work. It's kind of understood in the text that you're not complete or adequate before you amply apply the Bible to your life. It's just implied in the text, isn't it? It's okay not to be perfect. It'll help you if you don't think you have to be perfect. How about this? The word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing as far as the vision of soul and spirit of both joints and marrows, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. This is the most important thing the Bible does because only God, through the Holy Spirit, can do what the word's doing. So the word judges your intentions and motivations because you can do the right thing for the wrong reason. It's still wrong. Now, if you have a choice between wrong things for wrong motives or right things for wrong motives, do the right things with wrong motives, of course. (laughs) But somewhere along the line, wake up, smell the coffee, and realize I'm doing this for the wrong reason. And get your reason fixed. You know, a lot of people are disillusioned with church because somehow they got hurt in church, and they got hurt because their motivation was wrong. So they go around with this church, well, the church hurt me, the church hurt me. No, you were trying to get something from the church that the church wasn't supposed to supply because it wasn't supposed to be trying to meet that need. That, that motivation thing of yours, that's, that's a different thing. You've got to get that a different way. When you serve, you serve as unto the Lord. They don't see you, no big deal, he did. You know who you really are? Who you are in secret? Well, no one's watching but him. See, we can come up with all these things why he can watch us do stuff that nobody, we wouldn't do in front of anybody else. Here's what the fear of the Lord is. I won't do alone with God what I won't do in public. It should be the same. Are you with me? It's worth the morning on that one. I already know. Because I've already been here. Bad forms of family. We've got to do this quick. Nagging or sweeping generalizations. Here's what ticks guys off a lot is, you never, you always, whatever you're saying is probably true, but with the never and the always, you just did a cancel and a I'm gonna. Sweetheart, I was thinking about, I was thinking about listening to you, but I just stopped today. People go, I don't know how I can honor my husband. Well, take out always and never. That's one way, how we talk. Husbands, the same with your wives. Sarcasm or negativity. These, in my opinion, used two people are sinful. You need to find a new way. If you're sarcastic, you got an agenda, friend. Why don't you just tell people what your agenda really is? Instead of just using that. I didn't really mean that. Yes, you did. Stop lying. When you're using sarcasm, you've got something to say. Well, man up and say it nice. Stop being negative. Christians are positive. We're just going to hell in a handbasket, but Jesus come back. I got hope. Public correction is never good. My wife has never corrected me in public. Ever. Did I need it? Yes. She went home with wounds on her tongue. (laughs) She gets home and it's like, I could hardly hold it in. But you know what? I am honored by her treatment of me. I'm honored. And it makes me want to listen to her because she does not do this in public. Husbands, you should not be correcting your wives in public. You should, if you have a disdain or disgust with your wife, you should have already been rebuked about a month before that, if not a year. When a husband is disdainfully or disrespectfully talking to his wife in public, he has a problem. And if that's you, that's your symptom, what's your root? Why are you doing that to her? What does the word cherish mean? We all gave these vows, and then we went right out and broke them. And it's part of growing up. You make them, you break them, and then you go, I broke it. So I'm broken, I'm going to fix it. That's why you give vows. Lack of honor. 
It's the behavior, not the person. What makes a Muslim terrorist a Muslim terrorist? Allah gives no security that you're going to go to heaven except one, die as a martyr. Allah is not loving. Most of their family lives are extremely harsh. If you want that person, you must love them. Consistent love over time. We have now nine converted Muslims in our church. We did not win them by telling them they were wrong. We told them there was grace in Jesus Christ. They go, what is grace? When you explain grace, they're like, I could use some of that. Absolutely. It's not the person, it's the, it's the behavior. Bad timing. <laughs> you can be right on with your rebuke. Wrong time? It's wrong. I have a son, my oldest son. You cannot talk to him. Just even if you want to talk to him, you cannot talk to him until the clock hits 10 p.m. That's his open window. You try to talk to him at 5 p.m., it's like talking to a brick wall. It will just grunt or give one-word answers. I used to, when we lived over here in Stonehaven, I would set my alarm, because I was already in bed, go down and start talking about 11 o'clock. He would chatter like a canary. <laughs> it's like, it's just Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Why is it when the clock hits this? <laughs> Bad timing? bad thought. So give your family permission to correct you. Some love is being concealed right here today because they don't know what your response is or they do know what your response is and they don't want your scorn. They don't want your impatience. They don't want your anger. So they're like, whatever. Give them permission. I gave my family permission. I give my church permission. They take it. Do not act so high and mighty. Pride will rob you of most of the blessings you really want. Pride is a lie that never delivers. Study pride in the Bible and do the opposite because it never helps. A lot of nagging occurs because people blow up the person. Now, I, I work a lot with men. So. My wife's a nag. Nag, nag, nag. Dripping rain. You know, she's in the Bible. There's two verses about her. So really? Got a question for you. What? Was she a nag when you married her and you're stupid? Or did you make her a nag? Just un poco quieto el tema. Yeah, it's a little quiet now. A little quiet now. What do you mean? What do you mean made her nag? Did she ask? Yes. Did she ask a second time? Yes. Did she ask a third time? Yes. Did she ask nicely a fourth time? Yes. How many times is yes? About a hundred. And you haven't done anything yet. You made her a nag. Lots of women have been made nags because they don't know what else to do. They hate being it. I've been, so many women have said, I hate being a nag. If he would just listen. So, we have to correct some things in her. But the day the husband starts listening, he goes, you know what? She's not as bad as I thought she was. Amen. People do not reprove because they're afraid of reaction. Give people permission and then treat them nice. Is that okay? The most godly man I'd ever talked to was standing in Buckeye Evangelical Free Church, and he said this, I pray for someone to rebuke me every day. And you know when he's praying it, he's disposed to listen. He's ready to do it. So let's stand. Are you ready? Are you tuned in to the voices of correction? Do you listen every day to the Holy Spirit and the Word? Are you approachable? Or have you already put up so many defenses nobody's getting through? Are you a scoffer? Or are you a wise person? It's important for you to... Is it important for you to pretend you're always right? 
Is that so important to you that you always got to be right and you always got to be perfect? Some of you just need to repent today of trying to always be right. I'm telling you, it's, it's impossible. It's a horrible thing. When I resigned to being the savior of the world, it was the best thing I ever did. When I resigned to being perfect and I could just be me, it was freeing. You just go, I don't always have to be right. I can say, I don't know. I can say thank you when people talk to me. So bow your heads with me. Holy Spirit, you love us. You want our life to be joy, rejoicing, revival, and awakening. And you're calling out a people like Rick Howard, the veterinarian, who walks with God in such a way that no one who walks into his business can fail to be touched by the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place because of Rick's wisdom in listening to reproof. He didn't get there in one day. He was fashioned by God into an amazing man of God. If the Holy Spirit's spoken to you, if you want to just come down front, we'll just pray a generalized prayer over anybody here that says, you know what? I've not been listening. I've not been patient. I've been angry with people when they tried to help me. I've been away from God and not listening to him. If you just want to come down, we'll just pray right for you today. How humble are you? Would you do this in public? Would you do it in front of others? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for every man and woman here. This church loves Jesus, and it's the sum total of everybody that comes to this church. Their desire, their interest, their heart after God. May it increase. May it be cleaned up, polished. May it be brilliantly shining, gloriously touching the world around them. May the sweet aroma of the knowledge of Jesus come forth from every life, polished by the loving hand of the Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God be with you if you need to go. I know that service is ending. I'm just going to pray for these people right here. Lord, the humility to come forward attracts the Holy Spirit. It attracts the very blessing of God. The Holy Spirit dwells with the humble man or the humble woman. Come, Holy Spirit, minister minister health and wholeness to every person who wants it. We pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Prayer teams, if you'll just help pray for them. Pastoral staff, that'll be awesome.